Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today as we kick off the week here on Monday, September 21st of 2020. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. The Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo is planning to be back in 2021. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up. Livestock Grazing Autumn Pastures. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. For Texas Panhandle farmers, the 2020 crop season will certainly be one to remember, just not very fondly. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story as I report from Amarillo. Making safe choices around railroad trains, tracks, and crossings can save lives on the farm. I'm Gary Joyner in Waco and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's a look at news headlines. The second round of the coronavirus food assistance program kicks off this week. Starting next week, my administration is committing additional relief to help farmers. That's President Trump last week in Wisconsin making the announcement of an additional $14 billion for ag producers facing market disruptions and associated costs related to COVID-19. Also, more commodities are eligible for CFAP too, something Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue says USDA has been working on based on producer input. This is an example of government working for the people. We asked for your input, and we listened, and we updated the program based on the comments that we received. Sign-up will run through December 11th. You can find more information online at farmers.gov CFAP. The beef industry needs to add additional packing capacity if it's going to continue growing. Randy Block with CattleFacts told the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association's virtual convention last week that there's been a shortage of packing capacity since 2016, and problems in the last year have made that very clear. If we can get some additional packing capacity in our industry, that will allow our industry to grow some. We, we need to see some additional harvest capacity. The last 12 months has been a good, good example of that with the Tyson fire that we experienced last August. And then we followed up with the issues we've had with COVID-19. The industry really is, is vulnerable in that one area. And, and I don't know that any way that it would be more clear than what we've just come through. Black says packers are currently running above the 40-hour week capacity of existing plants by running Saturday shifts to keep up with demand. The Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo is planning a comeback for 2021. Jessica Domo reports. The Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo is planning for a safe and healthy return in 2021. Officials say they are evaluating several event options and proactively preparing for multiple scenarios while keeping the health and safety of the community, 
guests, volunteers, and others as a top priority. The Stock Show and Rodeo has established several task forces and are working with medical experts, local officials, and community stakeholders. The next Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo is scheduled for March 2nd through the 21st in 2021. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. For Texas Panhandle farmers, the 2020 crop season will certainly be one to remember, just not very fondly. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. Mother Nature has hit Panhandle farmers with just about everything imaginable this season. The latest threat? The onset of very premature winter conditions about a week and a half ago. The general consensus seems to be that corn and sorghum were far enough along in their development, it's unlikely the three-day cold spell caused widespread damage to those crops. But there remains concern that temperatures falling into the 30s so early in the year might have stunted fiber development in cotton. Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell is holding out hope that cotton will clear this hurdle. Our older research says that when we drop below 45 degrees, fiber development stops which is where the concern comes from. But many farmers and crop consultants have told me that with newer varieties, they believe this just slows it down and that cotton will kick back into gear. On the other end of the spectrum, earlier in the season, we had prolonged hot streaks with multiple days of temperatures well above 100. Dr. Bell's colleague, fellow AgriLife agronomist Dr. Calvin Trossel, is concerned the heat waves may have coincided with a critical development stage for area corn. The silks that come out of the ear that receive the pollen from the tassel at the top of the plant, those silks, in my opinion, are subject to desiccation. And so if that occurs, then the pollen grain cannot travel through the silk down to the what would become a kernel down in, in the ear inside the husk. Along with the extreme temperatures, this difficult season has also featured major hail events, destructive winds, and of course drought conditions that have prevailed throughout. Ultimately, it looks like anything approaching average yields for the region will be an impressive achievement. In fact, Dr. Trossel says the more telling figure may be the percentage of planted acres that actually wind up being harvested. In Amarillo, I'm James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Pasture conditions vary across Texas as we move into fall. Tom Nicoletti takes a closer look. For today's program, we go to Tracy Tomasek. He is a livestock specialist with the Texas Farm Bureau joining us uh, from Waco. And uh, Tracy, as we do our quarterly uh, interview and report about uh, the change of seasons with fall beginning this week, give us an overview of uh, what the livestock and pasture conditions look like across Texas. Thank you, Tom. And uh, as you can expect, uh, this time of year, there's a large variation across the state when it comes to range pasture conditions, uh, as usual. Uh, and as we've come to expect, uh, over in East Texas, things are, are wet and, and grass is growing. Some places are a little extreme in, in, in the amount of rainfall that they've received. And, and on the other end of the spectrum, there's extremely dry conditions over in West Texas. The Texas Drought Monitor is showing uh, exceptional drought uh, an extreme drought uh, in the western part of the southern panhandle all the way down to uh, Big Bend, although uh, some of those regions did receive some recent rainfall. That drought monitor shows how bad it was a couple of weeks ago. Since then, as you mentioned, uh, some very timely rains uh, as we move into the last few weeks of the growing seasons for some of those areas. Uh, they got some good moisture and that'll 
help project them into uh, the the fall and winter with uh, improved pasture conditions uh, than what than what they've experienced throughout the summer. But supplemental feeding is still continuing down in the South Central and South Texas uh, due to dry conditions. Yeah, that's uh, not to say that that West Texas is the only one affected. You know, especially if you you look around that Highway 190 uh, area through Central Texas or the the, the southern part of the Central Texas area, uh, they've they've been extremely dry and Farmers and ranchers have uh, have already for weeks now generally been supplementing with hay and, and maybe even a little bit of extra protein uh, for those fall calving herds as they prepare to, to get those cattle to ready for the fall season. And then, of course, sheep and goat producers in Texas are also uh, keeping uh, their eye on the weather and, and hoping that uh, it'll be a good uh, autumn season for them. Yes, and uh, and the one thing that they they depend on is grazing, uh, unless in they're in a more concentrated uh, production scheme. So grass and forage production is very important for them. And and one of the other things that the small ruminant folks are always keenly aware of, and and uh, if they got some rain, becomes even more important here uh, in the near term is additional parasites uh, that could uh, plague those animals. As uh, as this flush of green grass comes comes up in response to the recent rainfalls, and Tom, one of the other things that's ongoing uh, uh, this week is farmers and ranchers are preparing their seed beds and and getting ready to plant fall grazing crops. There are a lot of wheat. There's a lot of oats moving down the road and, and being distributed through the fields, both no-till and conventional planting, in preparation for grazing. That is Tracy Tomasic. Texas Farm Bureau Associate Director for Commodity and Regulatory Activities. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Making safe choices around railroad trains, tracks, and crossings can save lives on the farm. Gary Joyner has more from Waco. Safety around railroad trains, tracks, and crossings is a serious matter. It can be deadly far too many times. Texas ranks number one in the country in collisions and injuries, and number two in deaths at highway-grade crossings. In the U.S., every three hours, a person or vehicle is hit by a train. This week is Rail Safety Week in North America. It's a good time to remind everyone about making safe choices around trains and tracks. For farm equipment operators, there there's a special need to pay attention where field and farm access roads cross train tracks. According to Operation Lifesaver Incorporated, knowing what to do when crossing railroad tracks is critical. Farmers, ranchers, and their employees should cross tracks only at designated crossings. When they do, they must think train. Trains can run on any track at any time in either direction. Slow down as you approach a railroad crossing. Stop at least 15 feet from the crossing. Trains can overhang tracks by three feet or more on either side. Look and listen for a train. Open cab windows, turn off radios and fans, and remove headphones. Look both ways twice before crossing, and once you start across the tracks, do not hesitate and do not change gears. If your vehicle gets stuck, get everyone out and far away immediately, even if you do not see a train. These safety tips could save a life. It could be yours. I'm Gary Joyner, and this is your Texas Agriculture Minute. There is good news for bison raisers. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more on Texas Ag today. And some mushrooms can be toxic for dogs. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will discuss that coming up next on Texas Ag Today. 
we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Some mushrooms can be toxic for dogs. Dr. Bob Judd has some advice. Mushrooms are seen commonly growing in wet and warm areas, both in the spring and in the fall. Some of them are toxic to dogs and some are not. But it's difficult to tell the difference by looking unless you're a mushroom specialist. For this reason, it is a good idea to prevent your dog from eating any growing mushrooms. One type of mushroom is called a death cap or death angel. And these can cause acute liver failure, which can occur 6 to 12 hours after ingesting the mushrooms. The toxic agent is amanitins, and the dogs will initially show gastrointestinal signs and then go into liver failure in one to two days. This mushroom is not common in Texas and is usually found in the northwestern and northeastern United States. There are three groups of mushrooms that cause neurological signs, and onset of these signs can occur usually within 30 to 60 minutes after ingestion. Psilocybin mushrooms are also called magic mushrooms as they have a chemical structure related to LSD and cause hallucinations, difficulty walking, biting at imaginary objects, dilated pupils, and weakness. Hydrazine mushrooms also cause similar signs, but also include seizures, vomiting, and diarrhea. Most of the mushrooms cause gastrointestinal signs, such as vomiting and diarrhea that usually occurs immediately after eating the mushrooms. Another group of mushrooms can cause kidney damage, and the dog may not develop clinical signs for over three days after exposure. So regardless of the type of mushroom, there are many that are poisonous to dogs, and since there is not a specific antidote, it is best to not allow your dog to eat any mushrooms because many are very toxic. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's some good news for Texas bison raisers. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. On Friday, the U.S. Department of Agriculture announced a second round of coronavirus food assistance program payments, and this time, bison is included. Dave Carter, executive director of the National Bison Association, said the aid will help those bison raisers who are suffering due to lost market share and closures due to the coronavirus pandemic. We are very, very pleased with this announcement. You know, it's been a lot of frustration since the original announcement came out in May with the commodities were included and then the follow-up about six weeks ago with additional commodities. And bison producers like our friends in all other sectors of of the livestock business have really been hit hard by the COVID-19 impact. You know, we've been reeling and and trying to, to keep people in business in the announcement that they're going to be able to get some assistance, get a little bit of help to get through this situation is very, very encouraging. Carter said CFAP will not make up for all of Bison Razor's losses during the pandemic, but it will help. 
The long-term outlook for the bison business is extremely bright. Over the last decade, our business has grown. More and more people have taken their first taste of bison. And once they've taken that first taste, they love it. They love the nutritional benefits. They love the story behind the animal. And so they're coming back for a second or a third helping. They're looking for it in grocery stores and in restaurants. So our business has really benefited from that. But then all of a sudden, we just got hit with this sucker punch from the COVID pandemic when the restaurants shut down and farmers markets got disrupted. And we don't need a hundred percent. We just need the ability to get through this situation. CFAP two sign up is September twenty first through December eleventh at local farm service agency offices. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We had a mixed trade today in the cattle futures market while the cotton market drifted lower. We'll take a closer look at today's livestock, cotton, grain, and energy markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to oli.org for info. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We had a mixed close today in the cattle futures market. Not a whole lot of direction. It looks like our live cattle contracts a bit lower on the nearbys. Feeder cattle mostly mixed. October live cattle down 65, 106.70. December down $1.25 at 110.60. February live cattle down 82. 11525. October feeder cattle down 17, 14225. November feeders up 20 cents at 14272. Moving over to the cash fed cattle trade, typical Monday, no sales to report. Looks like the show list this week may be a bit smaller, helping to give feedlots some leverage to at least hang on to a steady market this week. Boxed beef market is higher. That could work in their favor as well. Choice is up $1.22 at $216.18. Select up $1.46, $205.40. Looking at a couple of feeder cattle auctions over the weekend on Saturday, Tri-County Livestock in New Summerfield, Texas sold. The trend there was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.10 to $1.90 a pound. Three to four hundred pounders, $1.10 to $1.85. Four to five weight steers, a dollar five to a dollar seventy. Five to six weights, a dollar to a dollar fifty. Six to seven hundred pounders, a dollar to a dollar thirty. With seven to eight weight steers, bringing a dollar to a dollar twenty-eight a pound. Slaughter cows, twenty-five to sixty-seven cents. Slaughter bulls, seventy-eight to ninety-three. Stocker cows brought six hundred to thirteen twenty-five a head. Cow calf pairs, twelve fifty to seventeen hundred a pair. Cattlemen's Brenham Livestock Auction, Brenham, Texas, sold on Friday. They sold 1,149 head. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.35 to $1.90. Three to four weights, $1.20 to $1.92. Four to five weight steers, $1.15 to $1.90. Five to 600 pounders, $1.10 to $1.46. With six to seven weights, bringing $1 to $1.39 a pound. 
And those heavy seven to eight weight steers brought 90 cents to a dollar 27. Slaughter cows 25 to 62 cents. Slaughter bulls 58 to 84. Stocker cows brought 550 to 1050 ahead. Cow calf pairs 700 to 1200 a pair. Let's jump back over to the board now. Lean hogs closing lower. October lean hogs down 90 cents, 65.60. December down $1.97, 61.55. October class 3 milk up 2 cents, 19.61 a hundredweight. The cotton market closed lower today as we kicked off the week. Some spillover pressure coming from outside markets. A lower Dow Jones as well as a strengthening U.S. dollar both putting pressure on the cotton market. And of course, at this time of year, weather is always a factor in the market. Six to ten day weather forecast calling for above normal rainfall for the Delta and the Southeast. Of course, that follows the rainfall that was dumped on that area by Hurricane Sally. Also looking at a below normal rainfall for here in Texas. East Texas, of course, watching Tropical Storm Beta now as it pushes through the Texas and Louisiana coast. We closed with the October cotton contract down 42 points, 63.74. December cotton down 42 at 65.24. Kansas City wheat taking a big tumble. The wheat market just seems to be pulled and pushed around by the soybean market nowadays. Beans have been moving sharply higher in response to Chinese purchases. The bean market pulled back quite a bit here on Monday, and that seemed to pressure the wheat market lower as well. New crop July Kansas City wheat down 15 and a quarter, closing at 5.11 and a half. Same story on the corn. It felt some spillover pressure from the bean market. December corn down eight and three quarters, 369 and three quarters. In the energy markets, October natural gas unchanged at 204. October crude oil down $1.83 at 3928 a barrel. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Kerry Martin, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow for all the latest news in Texas agriculture. Be sure to catch it all right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.